Hello and welcome back. Only four months later than promised, the 361 Degrees Podcast Season 5. My name is Ben Smith from Wireless Worker. I'm Ewan from Mobile Industry Review. And I'm Rafe Blanford from the All About Sites. We're back. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> well, the excitement is tangible from Ben over there. <laughs> Are you no. pleased to be back, Ben? I am. I am delighted to be back. Uh, well, well, welcome back, chaps. It's a pleasure to see you. Indeed. And we're back round the big table, so it's nice to be able to record an episode face to face. I prefer that. I, eyeball to eyeball. We both mm. get to look at Rafe Blanford, which I know is a treat for me, right, uh, Ewan? Oh, exactly. I like to see him quivering when we start talking about Nokia. Absolutely, yeah. and Ben can just lean over and gag me when I'm saying too much. That's it, just a, a hive, of, a hive of energy. He is. So uh, here we are, uh, episode one, season five. Can you believe that we've generated That's all that noise? Impressive, isn't it? Season five, and uh, I think we're overdue a catch up, really, because I, I seem to remember that we promised that there would be some podcasts back in April. You remember we were in Barcelona and we said some words, and that was all very well, exciting. April sounded easy. Yeah, and April said April seemed a long way away then, mm-hmm. and and here we are in. Um, well, nearly July, isn't it? Almost it's next July. week's July. Yeah, I think so. Certainly, uh, certainly, this episode will be going out on the weekend preceding July. So right. you're probably listening to this in July. Okay. Anyways, um, so catch up episode yes. things. What have happened since we went away, and what are interesting to us? Okay. Well, I, I can I just say Apple has happened, uh, Google has happened, Blackberry's happened. Well, I mean, there's been a few things. Blanford, come on, give me, give me some. Response well, surprisingly enough, there's been some devices announced between when we're on the air and right. now. Um, but actually, I think one of the patterns has been, it's kind of been the pattern continuing from all the things we talked about yeah. at MWC. Has much changed, do you think? I think it's always difficult to say there's you know, been change, but I think it's been more the same. But we've had the big kind of mid-year announcements of the respective developer conferences, and that's maybe mm. where we should concentrate on because there's the usual little things going on. Right. Um, you know, more smartphones have been shipped, depending on whose numbers you believe. It's now well over fifty percent of the devices being sold in various markets, and all sorts of things like that. And interestingly, it's not just happening in the developed markets; it's in the emerging markets as well. We've had the rise of the Chinese manufacturers, yep. particularly in the first half mm. of uh, this year. I think kind of the most interesting stat from that if you look at the top five smartphone manufacturers now, always used to be the traditional companies. Yeah, the and, big brands. Yeah, and we've still got Samsung and Apple, number one and two, but it's now three Chinese companies in number three, four, and five. Just remind us. Um, I, I may get the order wrong here, yeah. but it's Huawei, ZTE, and someone else whose uh, name escapes me. But the traditional ones who we tend to think about, you know, HTC, uh, Sony, Nokia, BlackBerry, they're actually sort of six, seven, eight. And it, as I say, it depends who numbers you look at. But for me, that kind of does mark a change in the industry. And we're seeing the same thing happen in the mm. Indian market now. The latest numbers I've seen are saying that a third of the smartphones being sold in India are from Indian manufacturers. Wow. Uh, and that's come from not quite 0% last year, but around 5%. You know, big losers there have been uh, BlackBerry, Nokia, but also Samsung, you know, losing yeah. ground. It does feel like it's been a real time of... of, of of change, and I think that one of the changes for me. I mean, I, I'm always less numbersy than you, Rafe. But you know, I mean, the, to be honest, there are, there are statisticians who are no, less numbersy than you. Um, oh, thank you, Ben. <laughs> so, I mean, I say that out of love, out of a genuine sense of respect for the fact that you know numbers. Um, is the fact that I watched um, a Google I/O set of, of keynotes and presentations, yep. and I watched a, an Apple presentation, 
you know, Tim Cook's one, and it's the first time I've not really been hugely inspired by either of them. And well, I, can you just be qualify that? You mean there was nothing of note whatsoever, or hugely inspired? I mean, what do you mean? Because I I didn't see anything that turned me on at all. I'm, I'm, I mean, iOS 7 for me is personally interesting. It'll be good to use, but uh, it's, it's interesting to see that these, these large firms now feel like they're heavily into the iterating and refining cycle yeah. of, of that ecosystem. Right. And, and it used to be that, that every, every announcement... At least every announcement at least included one interesting sort of boundary push. change. I mean, take, for example, Siri. Don't yeah. use it. Don't like it. Don't think it's a good idea. But was interested that they announced it. It was a change that was worthy of interest. It had some novelty value. Uh, but I, I, you know, I use it most days. Really? Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's wake me up in an hour. Is how I use it. Uh, I think people have become I've got a wife for that. <laughs> <laughs> I think people become a little complacent and blase about the announcements that go on at these places because I actually think there's some interesting things, as you said, in iOS seven from a personal point of view. But it was. It, you know, you, you talk about these events amongst geeks and no one goes, oh, did you hear about X, Y, or Z from those two events? And it's actually more the same. You think about something like Google, it was a big push on Google+, Plus, particularly on the imaging side, and some really smart technology there. Uh, for example, you know, you're uploading pictures up, off of the Google+, Plus and will work out what the best ones are, do the facial recognition, right. or take out the blurry ones. That kind of technology a few years ago would have all been going, oh, wow. But now it's sort of, of course you're going to be doing that. That's you know just a bit of smartness on the server. Mm. Uh, and part of it, I think, for both companies was there wasn't a big hardware announcement to, to hang it off. There wasn't a new version of Android or there wasn't a new Nexus device. Um, but there was, I think, a really interesting business change, particularly Android, was the announcement of the Samsung and the HTC One Google editions. And this we've talked about the right. problem with not having a consistent user experience across Android devices. And in the case, it's... Um, you know, TouchWiz for Samsung and Sense for HTC. And I actually think, interestingly, those devices are actually worse off having a pure Google experience. I actually think, particularly on the Sense side, the HTC One is a better device in the HTC edition than it is in the Google edition. But right. this is a problem that, for Google, for Android. You know, how do you have that consistency? And you know, So that, for me, was the most interesting thing out of, you know, I.O., can I just um, uh, change the topic slightly by saying, can innovate my ass, please discuss. Uh, are you referring to Google there? Uh, no, actually, well, I, I suppose I could be, actually. Uh, no, I'm actually talking about Apple and the the whole debacle that was their, their keynote. Now, I, I, I take your point. You're right that um, it, it's it's probably important to geeks. But you know, now and again, I'll, I'll go to a hairdresser's, a pub, a restaurant, wherever, and, and someone will, will... You can tell from his haircut. Yeah. Thank you. That is a very good haircut. I'm really pleased with it. Okay. Um, is that not just the post-Steve Jobs era that the presentations are no longer exciting? Oh, I think you meant hairdressers are no longer exciting. Yeah, I thought, was, yeah. Well, I thought you were talking obviously. about Steve Jobs' hair style. No, but when I'm, when I'm in speaking to normal people, now and again... If, <laughs> mixing with the As blends. opposed to everyone listening to this podcast. Yes, yeah. everyone listening is not normal, right? And that, But they're, they're qualified just as to be smart individuals, listeners. right? Yeah, normal, the, 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 the plebs... The, the great unwashed, the, you know, the, the ones that are reading Metro, the ones that are reading uh, the Evening Standard or whatever, um, even, even the, the, the Telegraph, the Times and so on, when they, yeah, it's, they read the announcements, yeah, they, they look for those. And it always interests me when one of these people will say, oh, yes, I, I heard about the new blah, the new Samsung 
are the new, and it's interesting to see what cuts through to their their attention. And no, Google nothing, Glass, Google Glass, definitely, yeah. But nothing, the um, nothing from Apple uh, to anyone's attention is from from the the anecdotal, admittedly, um, uh, evidence I've got. So I, I was shocked by the "can't innovate my ass" statement. That really, really did highlight to me just how. If you, need to, tell, if you ne- right. need to tell people you're innovating, you're probably not innovating. Right, exactly. I, I think there's a, there's a change of tone, though, isn't there? Because I don't think that their Apple's style of innovation has changed significantly. It's just that they chose to comment on it for the first time because they've always done steady. I mean, you remember talking about the iPhone 4S. And, yeah. Oh, it's no different yeah, yeah. to the iPhone 4. And then yeah, we had how depressing com- is that? Well, and then yeah. we had that conversation about, well, actually, all the things under the surface that you know meant it could be sold in more markets or chips or this kind mm. of stuff. And I think the, I mean, a bit, a bit like iOS 7, you know, kind of visu- visually there's some differences, but under the surface there's a, there's a lot of change. And it's, it's, I think it was more presentational style that meant that they, they commented on that. But again, we're into this individually tweaking features about building ecosystems, mm. about big things. We're no longer sort of in, in the world of novelty. And in some respects, that's good because it means that these things have grown up and matured. But in another respect, it does feel like now that we're going to be you know, talking about the minutiae of, of how icons scroll or how a wireless right. performance works. Or, yeah, I, I didn't enjoy watching the Apple keynote. And when the big discussion is over whether that pastel tone is the right one or whether the icons look like something else, you're sort of going, the, the messaging isn't hitting home. I mean, I do think iOS 7, it's harking back to something I said in the previous season about the kind of Rafe Blanford rule of mobile, yeah. that you have six years and you then need to refresh. And actually, I think that's what iOS 7 was about. I think the problem is it is basically a lick of paint. Yeah. Now, there are some smart APIs going on under the surface as well, just a, just a point of order. I think it's conventionally polite to allow somebody else to reference something important oh, that you right. said. Yeah. The, okay. the well, Blanford six-year rule. Yeah, the six-year yeah. Blanford rule. I think, I think as you'll recall, I said in episode 75. You know, anyway. I'm sorry, Ben. I was waiting for someone else to say <laughs> it. <but laughs> no one stepped up. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, it wasn't that fascinating what I said. I, I, no, I happen, to, I happen to believe in Rafe's six-year rule, and indeed I, I quoted it to a client recently, so I, I probably owe you some commission, but... I was just a, a point of order, sorry. Okay, I will not uh, self-reference anymore. I think the, the point I was trying to make there, that iOS 7 has come along and done exactly what people were expecting, gone away from scodomorphism, yeah. you know, gone to what I call a more modern, more modernist-based design. Right. Um, yeah, I think there's going to be a real problem there for what you were talking about. A lot of users out there are suddenly going to go, I don't recognise iOS anymore. It feels completely. Well, it looks different. very similar to Android, it, or it, or it, any, or you know, even the kind of the, the, the muscle memory or the visual memory of icons. Why does this suddenly look different? And I actually think this is an issue that all the platforms face when they upgrade. Yeah. If a change is so major, it's like having a new piece of equipment, mm. and people aren't used to that. They, you know, they've become accustomed to getting software updates, and there's an expectation that you'll get new features a year after it's been launched. But there isn't this expectation that suddenly everything will change, and I wonder whether that might become the story of iOS 7. Lots of people going, I want it looking like it used to do. Because although a lot of you know, geeks, people listening to the podcast will be familiar with the arguments against good amorphism, and I, I honestly don't think it's a debate. I think it's absolutely right to move away from yeah. that. I think there's a lot of people out there who are going to go, but I like my calendar with the leather stitches. It feels safe. It feels safe. It feels familiar. Yeah. Uh, even if it's you know, not something that's... Uh, I, I think there's a big economic impact as well, which mm. I thought about afterwards, which was... A lot of people 
you know, listening, well, both of the people listening could, will, will well be users, you know, of services and things. But quite a lot of the people we know are involved in building and deploying mobile services as well. And if you, if your customers who built software were watching the keynote or saw any of the press clippings yeah. the next day, they were ringing you up saying, my app looks out of date. We're going to have to refresh it. And, you know, all of this change on or both on Android and, and mm. iPhone, however, however, sorry, on iOS, however justified and useful and important to keep the platform fresh, drives the fact that, you know, there's a huge investment in software and, main, and, and fixing things up and keeping it adapted and, and that kind of stuff. And lots of popular apps are going to have to completely revamp their interfaces just so that they look consistent now, just for the cosmetic reasons. And there's a very interesting design question here is can you design a platform such that you're using design principles that allow a great deal of flexibility in app design and service design, but don't necessarily follow a very tight grid. And this has actually been a debate in the Windows Phone world recently that all the Windows Phone apps in the early years were based off a couple of templates that Microsoft provided with panoramas and pivots. And there was sort of people up in arms when you know app designers started moving away from that and doing something a little bit different. Mm. And it was still based on the principles of modern design. That's the kind of language that Microsoft talks about in Windows 8 and Windows Phone 8. Um, I actually think it's remarkable in that there is quite a bit of flexibility there. And one of the hallmarks of both iOS and Android is there are very set kind of guidelines that you have to follow to create an app that looks like it belongs on the system. And arguably, you need different implementations for different versions, in particular, I think, between iOS 6 and 7. And let's not forget that iOS 7 because of the, some of the things it's doing with graphics under the hood, it's really only going to work on the iPhone 5 Plus. You know, the iPhone 4S, the A4 chipset, doesn't really have the power to do some of that gradient stuff and some of those blurring effects. Uh, uh, and so, you know, do you as an app manufacturer, you know, have two different versions, one for each version of the platform? How sustainable does that become? We've had that on Android for a while, but it's interesting that the iPhone or the iOS world, you, know, you had a little bit of that between tablet and phone, but now you're getting multiple versions, and that feels quite un-Apple-like. And everyone on iPhone or iOS upgrades. You know, at least on Android, people tend to stay on their platforms, and there's still a, a great diversity, so it justifies it. But on, on Apple, your users will update, and your apps will become out of date mm. really quickly. And, and Apple sort of aren't really addressing the impact there on, on those changes. Is it not slightly depressing that you had a, a, a keynote full, room full of people cheering at the announcement that the iPhone now has, or iOS 7 now has a camera, uh, sorry, flashlight built in. Oh, I, 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 I find those whole keynotes, developer keynotes, where you get the crowd Ooh. cheering and clapping, just frankly bizarre. I mean, I, That's what made it very difficult to watch, and I'm, I, I started thinking quite, diff <clears throat> sorry, quite differently about the company. Just, just clear your throat directly into the microphone if you ever need to. <coughs> That's fine. Sorry. Good, good microphone etiquette. We'll leave that in. We, we agreed, no edits, didn't we? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. It's just so we're clear, no edits. Yeah, understood. You're right, Euron. I mean, A, they're pretty small things. I mean, it's bizarre enough cheering them. Uh, I mean, we've all been at phone launches where you have a whole bunch of the people standing at the back from the company who start clapping to try and encourage everyone and make the right atmosphere. And fair enough, that's part of the way the game is played. But you're getting developers and even, dare I say, members of the media sitting in the front row cheering about a flashlight. And you're just going... If, if, you're, no. if you're at a press launch and you're clapping, you're doing it wrong. Exactly. I mean, uh, okay, I'm going to come out and say, yes, <gasps> it's wrong. You shouldn't do it. 
And particularly if you're British. <laughs> and I, I, I know some people do, and you should be ashamed and of yourselves. I, I know, I, I, and I know some British people. Yes. As, as, an, as, an aside, as an aside, I was in the, I was in an airport overseas in Germany recently, and a lady came up to me and said, "Excuse me, do you speak English?" And I said, "It's better than that. I am English." And she looked at me like I'd landed from outer space. And I was like, I, I was quite pleased with myself. I thought it was a hilarious joke, but clearly my command of English was sufficient that I could tell her a joke back that she yeah. didn't understand. So, there you go. Oh, very my impressive. My little, I've been places. Uh, no, can we, I'd like your perspective on uh, the iPhone uh, is a Fisher-Price device. So something I've commented on quite, quite, and yeah, I am using it, um, the, the iPhone 5. <laughs> you weren't until you lost it. <laughs> Looking around no, no, the it's, yeah. it's, it's still there, thankfully. Um, is it still Fisher-Price? No. No. Why not? And I, well, I, t- I tell you for why. Oh. So I think this the, we talked about earlier. We were going to talk about what devices are we using now, and I think mm. this is a good a good line in actually. Right in front of me now, I've got a BlackBerry Q10, which is the QWERTY form factor BlackBerry 10 device that does look very very handsome. Oh, I have to say, hardware right? is gorgeous. I, yeah. it's, it's just reflect basking in the glory of my physical attractiveness as well. To be honest, so you know, it's a match made in heaven. Match pair, match pair indeed. <laughs> a very good Wimbledon reference. Lots of well. buttons indeed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Beautiful hardware, but the, and I bought it because I, I've always enjoyed having the um, QWERTY form factor. I do loads of email, loads of messaging, mm. blah, blah, blah. I wanted that. Um, but I'm finding myself, because I always carry an iPhone for software testing and that kind of stuff as well, increasingly finding myself going back to picking up an iPhone because it's still a better experience to use that than it is the BlackBerry, even though the BlackBerry has the keyboard, which means I can type faster. Because purely, purely hardware doesn't make the device so physically i agree with you i'm not very inspired by the way the iphone looks and that kind of thing now and even the screen and the camera and everything have been significantly bettered we're we're waiting for an upgrade but in terms of the way it works the reason it's not fisher price is it is super super refined and all the apps on there are super mature now and they do really good jobs and if you want um, if you want to improve your email experience, you've got five or six pretty mature, competitive email apps you can go and buy that have different features or nuances and plug in. Um, you know, whereas, for example, my BlackBerry, you know, if you um, if you try and clear the URL bar by pressing the X button, you know, as you do on the screen, uh, it doesn't work because there's a bug there. If you open an email thread that only has one email in it, it jumps back to the email page because it doesn't open properly. If you, it's got Evernote integration, which oh, fantastic! I love Evernote. Use loads of it. Can't sort by date though; only sorts alphabetically. So I can't find my most recent notes. It's those kinds of basic bits of refinement that mean that I'll actually give the iPhone a pass. There you go. Second yeah, piece. Uh, I would say the same thing. It's still the mo- it's still the most common smartphone out there. You see more iPhones than anything else. So it's not for me a, a Fisher Price thing because, as Ben says, it's really refined. The problem is it's last year's thing mm-hmm. and you think about the trends in smartphones it's now got what feels like quite a small screen it's got uh, kind of a design that's partly addressed maybe by iOS 7 that feels like it comes from a few years ago so i, I don't think it's necessarily fisher price or if it is fisher price it's last year's fisher yeah. price and i still think it's a fantastic piece of design it still works really well it'll still be the phone i'd recommend to someone if they want the easiest possible experience but don't mind spending the money but there's a real problem coming up in that, you know, you can't refine that hardware much more. You can come up with an alternative to it, great. Mm. 
Now, where does Apple go next? And you know, this is where we started getting talk about maybe a cheaper iPhone model. Right. How do they address that market and go up against Android and all their cheap devices? And that's going to be a very difficult transition for Apple to handle, quite apart from preserving that refinement when you go to a lower cost. It also changes the way people will perceive the Apple brand, and I think that could be very dangerous for them. I think it's, I think it's really easy to be glib about the, the frustrations with, with the iPhone being ubiquitous and mm. being a bit boring now. But similarly, it helps you get things done. And I think we're now at the point where, because it's been out for a few years, you know, we always talk about cars as, yeah. the, as the example. I think we're to the point now where lots of people go and buy the brand they like best. They don't read the reviews. They don't think about performance or anything. They just know that in their experience of buying cars through their life, they've always been happier with this brand than any of the others they've seen or heard. And so that's the same with, with iPhone now. You don't need to quantify any specific characteristic. Yes. Just as a whole, people know that it's a good experience. And you, the app is always available first for iPhone. You always get a nice experience. You know, they're reliable. There's not much in the way of malware and those kinds of mm. things. And, 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 and it's, it's, just, it's almost pure brand because you can't quantify refinement. You can't put a figure on it when you're reviewing it or measure it like megapixels. I think the only problem becomes for Apple is that they do charge a premium for that and it's becoming less justifiable because that gap of refinement is considerably less than it was a few years ago, both in terms of you know, just the quality of the product. I mean, actually, the Q10 is a good example. The hardware is as good as anything Apple produces, certainly better than, I think, the Z10 model. Then you look at some of the Android devices. The HTC One is a fantastic bit of hardware. Mm. I'd put that up against the iPhone 5, and Nokia has similarly produced you know, good things with the Lumia 925. Samsung, I think, the S4 was a, a bit disappointing for me, and they right. still feel a bit plasticky. But even those are, are, are good devices, and you add that together with the fact that the software experiences are also catching up. That Apple premium that everyone is aware of feels less justified, and I think that's the problem they face. Well, now, you know how you've got a Surface RT, then a Surface Pro? So this is the Microsoft tablet. Yeah, right. And you thought that the RT one is the poorer, poorer quality one. That was me not using any naughty language. Naughty right? language, yes. Okay, and then the, the Pro being the better one, obviously more expensive. But you're, you're, it's very clear that you've bought, if you've got the RT, you have the one that's not as good. Uh, how, how are people going to react to... Uh, an Apple, a cheap Apple, you know, I have the iPhone 5S or I have the iPhone 5S small one, you know, the The thing is you can already go out and buy an an iPhone 5 like experience, but way less than an iPhone 5 on an iPod touch. And nobody thinks that devalues the iPhone 5 because there's a clear, there's a clear difference. Yes. You know, that you've got the same screen, you've got the same operating system, you've got a worse camera, you've got a slimmer form factor. You know, there's a lot to like about the iPod Touch. It just doesn't make phone calls. But actually, on, my, on many people's lists of priorities now, making phone calls is pretty far down. Right, right. So I think as long as the hardware is visibly different, and as Rafe says, it's, still got, it's got to be good quality, but it's got to be the kind of good quality that allows a cheap price like they did with all their, their low-end iPod yes. devices then that will be fine. I, I think there's a certain amount of evidence, and I'd agree with you there, but I'd also put the counterpoint of view that you've got the, the iPhone 4 or the 4S, which you buy at the moment, instead of buying an iPhone 5 if you want something cheaper. But people can sort of say, oh, I've had it a little while, and it's not so obviously a second-tier product. Right, yes, I, I think, think that was my point. Yeah. Kind of, I don't know what the branding is. It's going to be something like, it's not going to be the iPhone cheap version, but it's going to be the iPhone for everyone. 
people will know you've made the decision to go for the cheaper, nastier iPhone. Actually, and, and it's then that knock-on effect it has on the kind of this aura of Apple being an elite product. But did we have that the shuffle? That. I mean, the shuffle was a plastic piece of nonsense. You know, the, the music little thing, but that was just you saying, no, no, I want, want that form but you, factor. But you didn't choose a shuffle instead of a, an iPod, cla- iPod yeah, Classic. You had, okay. uh, you had you both. probably had both, yeah, yeah, and it, yeah. You, or, or it got you into the ecosystem. Um, and I think Rose Point is a valid one, actually, because, I mean, it almost seems indisputable now that, that a, a lower-end iPod is coming. Sorry, a lower-end iPhone is coming. But it seems a, a poor decision to me. I think the the way they do it now, which is to run on the yes. old form factors. You still factors. buy iPhone four in the shops today. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so to, to run them on, all you, you've got accessories capability, yeah. uh, c- compatibility. You've got loads of things to talk about. Businesses can continue to buy them for the kind of timescales they need to. You know, you want to be buying the same hardware for two or three years consecutively. I mean, the reason Apple are, are going this route, by the way, is because they can only get so cheap by following that. No, two or three yeah. year old model yeah. and it's particularly around the materials and the, the internal bits the components they will go down in value but the the cost of producing those um, cases remains relatively constant and so they're probably going to go to a plastic model and they will cut down on the components as well you'll get a lower quality screen and all of that kind of thing but as i say for me i mean i, I think it'll probably end up being a pretty decent product and it'll be be popular but i'm more concerned about the impact it has on the image of apple uh, as a whole and the longer term thing although it, i suppose it could be more accessible for teenagers and things so it could it could bring a whole new you know community who who are who genuinely is unaffordable to an iphone yeah i mean do you think it could really really push android dramatically with you know a good a good iphone a good cheap iphone no no because it's still going to be I, I would predict it will still be premium premium in its sector, so yeah. it'll still be a cheaper device. So six hundred quid for the the five S. It's going to be three hundred quid or, or then, something yeah. like that. Yeah, three hundred forty nine yeah. or something. But, like. but when you can buy a hundred pound Android devices, no, Android just has yeah. such such you know segment uh, such yeah. a variety of devices. It segments the market so far. Uh, but actually, just going back to your original question, what what is the Fisher what is the Fisher price device at the moment? It's the uh, S four, the Galaxy S four. Because it comes, Ooh. it comes. It's it's a very high, it's a very expensive product, and it's yep. very very high specification. And there's a lot to be impressed about. Looks horrendous because it's all cheap and plastic looking. It's nasty build construction, and it comes jammed with software that doesn't work. It's and like lots of pointless software. Well. Lots yeah. of pointless software. But all, Samsung have done to their the S4 what PC manufacturers used to do, which is just oh, blo- it's bloat shocking, it, isn't it? Bloat it with what is it? Is it software. 16 gig device has got 8 gig usable? Yeah, and it and it feels actually like a Microsoft product used to do with all this extraneous rubbish. And in all fairness, there are some really you know things in there that you go, oh, that's quite clever. Um, and for what one, you know, being able to wave your hand over the screen and do non-contact thing, I sort of go, okay, I, I can see that's quite good. But, the, but the, for all of those where you go, yeah, interesting. None of them really go. I'm going to use that every day. It's yes, really interesting. Exactly. And as Ben says, the problem is the quality of the software. But, but it's a it's a psychology thing as well. Which is if you look at the if you look at the HTC One, it's got some software features which I think I think they're they're, they're novelties. They, they they don't play well to a premium device. But the hardware is amazing. So you look at the overall package and you say I'll give it a pass yeah. because nice UI, nice hardware, software. Not sure. Fine, sold. You know, it's not mm. it's not a noddy device. Look at the S4. Overwhelmingly, well, I mean, what is impressive about the S4? Well, it's got a really good screen and a really good camera, and it, it ticks a lot of the specs boxes. If you're the kind of person who buys by doing the comparison tables of I need to have the best of everything, but it's not. You don't look at it and think I wish I owned that. 
And no. it's, a, it's a consistency as well. You think about the HTC One, it's got a pretty consistent experience on the software with uh, Sense. The Samsung Galaxy S4 doesn't feel consistent in the way things work, where it all fits together. And it's just that complete package. I mean, it, it's, you know, best-selling high-end Android device, as far as I know. Shipment numbers are great, but it's just that's just proof that the best smartphone will not necessarily sell the most. It's just down to marketing and, you know, commissioning shops. I'd just, be interested to know, by the way, how many people have given one back. How many geeks, how many people re- listening to this, how many of the, the two people listening have gone on bot an S4 and taken it back because I I can name uh, 10 people who have bought one geeks people who should have known better actually I don't know how many people take devices back because I think for example if I had one I'd be disappointed with it when I've when I've played with them I'd be mm. disappointed with it but it's not faulty it's just, no no that's I, 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 I'm, I'm talking about people who actually they've yeah. gone and got it they, they they've worked their way up to going yeah I will have it and then they've they've lived with it for two days and gone there is no this is rubbish just uh, we, we briefly touched on what devices we're using. So you're still using the iPhone 5, yeah. you and I've got the BlackBerry Q10, which we'll talk about more in another episode, but mm. hardware good, software bad. Uh, Rafe Blanford? I'm using the Nokia Lumia 925. which this is, is a fine-looking device. It, it does look very nice. Device. Yes. Um, I, I've Liking been using yourself. a 720 for a longer period of time, but I actually think they're in some ways sister devices, very similar in kind of the look and, and feel. But maybe we should talk about that kind of third ecosystem issue in a future episode, because I think there's quite a lot to talk about with where Nokia is and where BlackBerry is. Because we spent our time talking about Google and Android, uh, Google and Apple. So uh, I probably won't stick with my Q10 long term. I've enjoyed testing it, but now I'm, I'm ready to go back to a proper device to get on with my real. You know, to get, I, I'm to in the market. But I'm not sure what to buy there. Uh, Rafe, and you're going to stick with the 925. Uh, I'm certainly going to stick with the the 925 for the time being. There is uh, rumours about Nokia producing a, a super camera device and we'll maybe talk about that in the future um and putting the pure view technology from that 808 symbian device into a windows phone device and i think that might be interesting and that would be the sort of thing that will, people will go wow that's a bit of hardware innovation that really yeah. feels a it bit should have been doing uh, yeah we've been waiting from, for this away from the run of you know all the stuff yeah. that google and apple have been doing and samsung so yeah um, just before we recorded this, uh, Rafe reached out to the on the interwebs and used a, used some Twitters to ask the, some readers some questions, and uh, you you got a few comments and questions and things actually, didn't you? So why don't we just wrap up this first uh, slightly disjointed review of all the things that have happened, but mostly Apple related, <laughs> before, before we finish up. Uh, well, we're getting quite a few questions asking about the third ecosystem. Uh, okay, so so short answers, you and Cloud, all right, on these ones. So go on, Rafe. Um, the, the questions generally revolve around who's going to win. Well, I think Nokia. Um, what's going to happen to Nokia when BlackBerry don't make it? I think BlackBerry are going to make it. They're just going to be a smaller player. Carry on, right? I just plan for just reading questions and answering them here. I thought no, no, there was I, a bit of interactivity involved I, here. I was nodding at you to actually say something because I've just been nasty about BlackBerry. And you no, just no, I, I, I took it. I, there, took it. I sustained wrong. it. It's changed between the seasons. He's suddenly no longer a BlackBerry fan. I, no, how, no, we're having how, a dedicated podcast on that. Right? How have I become the BlackBerry guy? When yeah. did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> I've got plenty to say. Carry okay, on. next right. question. You can answer this one, Ewan. Um, competing technology for mobile payments, is it going to be QR codes, NFC, apps, or Bitcoin? Uh, I don't think it's going to be QR. Um, NFC, hmm. um, I, I, I think it's going to be someone else. Uh, mo- mobile, mobile payments are still a lot further away from happening than yeah. everyone thinks yeah. and there's no need to, it, well it depends which market you're in because there's huge differences but, uh, by the way I'm loving contactless 
No, but it's not there. That is not mobile payments, though. Um, Mr. Ilico would like to know why you haven't moved to three yet. Because uh, I am contracted with the Vodafone to September. Is the answer. Okay, but you've enjo been enjoying your four horses on. Uh, yes, EE uh, e is flying, absolutely flying. I uh, I have the the one that I've been testing the the MiFi unit. I've been testing long term from them. Got to give that back shortly. But I've also got my iPad. And it's nice because it gets you outside a bit, doesn't it? Because obviously with no reception inside, you have to pop out to, to use it. What are you talking about? It, I use it all the time inside, in office. It's brilliant. It's, it's saw, really saw, good on the train, the EE, by the way. I saw you earlier hanging out the window trying to get a signal. That, that, is not, that was my Vodafone. Well, we've also been asked whether you're upset about whether your playbook is no longer going to be upgraded to BlackBerry 10. So has it become a, a more useful object now? Uh, no, no. I, I think for anyone who, who has recently purchased a playbook, I'm sure they'll be absolutely delighted with its capabilities. That's a very diplomatic answer. I, I, think, <laughs> I, I think that, that we should have seen that one coming because they said that they of weren't going to do any more yeah, tablet there stuff. Was a surprise, it was a it? waste of time them upgrading it, although as a playbook owner, I'm disappointed that it's become more of a bookshop bookend than it ever was. Um, we've also got a question on what impact wearable tech will have uh, on mobile platforms over the next few years. Potentially another good uh, topic to, for in a future episode, Ben. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll, come, we'll come back to that. Yes, absolutely. But what I would say is wearable tech is about data capture, not um, not not review and reading. So I don't believe in wearable. I don't believe in watches and things like that. Uh, I don't believe in heads-up displays. Them. Doesn't believe right? in ghosts. I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe the tooth fairy, uh, but I do believe in uh, quantified self and data capture and that life logging. What about those Nikes that automatically do the laces up? Uh, I think, I think, I think you're thinking back to the future. Exactly, yeah. That, that's, that's, that's why I'm wearable tech. That's what it means to me. Okay. Okay. And the final question, there are a disturbing number asking some fairly personal questions, but the one that I'll put well, hit me, hit me. is whether the cat is going to appear on the podcast. But I think at this point we can declare the 361 podcast a cat-free zone. What's the name of your cat? It is an entirely cat-free zone. The cat is called Mac and one's called Pliny. Right. Good. Well, what a, what a, what a higher-powered, mobile-focused, <laughs> sponsor-endearing, com commercially-focused... Well, I, I, can, I can do it mobile because people uh, in the UK may recall there's been a recent Horizon TV program where they strapped GPSs to a cat to, see, done the where, same. to see where they were going. And there was a whole bit of scientific research attached to this. And I thought, ah, oh, this would be really interesting. So I actually got an old Symbian phone, one of the really uh, light ones, with a GPS built into it. I thought it. you were going to say you strapped a 920 to it and it stayed still for 48 hours. <laughs> well, yeah, I wasn't that cruel. So, <clears throat> did you put a little jacket on it? I, I just wrapped it up in a plastic bag and... Um, the cat wasn't terribly... How did you put it on the cat? Well, it collar, but Carefully. the cat was, cat was distinctly unimpressed, and so... Um, Could it move his head? It's more of an Android user, is it? Yeah, this was the problem. It was a bit too bulky, so I need to find a smaller solution. What, you let your but, cat? Are you sure well, you're more Well, the cat went girl. out in the garden, and then the cat came back, and there was no phone. So I had to use um, a, a, an app that I'd installed to find out where in the garden the cat had dropped it. It was right in the middle of the flower bed next to something unspeakable, but it had been caught and was eating. I see. I thought you were going to say the cat took the Symbian phone out, did a dirty protest. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of Symbian users feel that way these days. Anyway, what a note to finish on. Thank you very much for listening. This has been uh, the, the first episode of uh, Season 5. Uh, we're back with the 361 Dragoos podcast uh, weekly or thereabouts now for the next 10 weeks. So uh, we hope you're enjoying it. If you uh, listened to the pre haven't listened to the previous seasons, please do go back on the uh, website and have a look we're our shiny new website 361podcast.com which is a lot easier to say although I'm not as much in love with it as our old podcast address 
um, which was 361 dot It reads nicely. But, but can we just say a big thank you for Ben, who's actually the webmaster who's done all the hard work yeah, there. Very, very well just done. as I'm not allowed to self-reference, he's not allowed to self-praise about the website, but it is a big improvement. So yes. thank you, Ben. I quite literally deployed a, cus- a standard template and loaded a picture. It was, it was an afternoon's work. And but, just before we go, can we just tell everyone, if they do look under the chair, there is a... Oh, dear me, you just spoiled it. Come on. There's nothing underneath my chair. I, I'm not getting some important cultural reference here. It's at the end of our, you know, Google I.O., the end of our... Oh, I see. Oh. If you look under the chair... If you look under the chair, time, you'll find our... You'll find the next episode of the 361 podcast. I can't think of anything you'd want to listen to more. Absolutely. So follow us at 361 podcast. To, uh, sub, uh, follow us on RSS at 361podcast.com or subscribe to us on SoundCloud, which is where all our audio lives. And uh, if you've got comments, please uh, leave them where you hear this. We'll be back next week. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye.